product, once you're building a product, you sometimes you can lose the relationship, close the relationship. Mm. It's very, very important not to lose, but it's easier comparing to, to like agency. agency. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Kreider. Today, we are sitting down with Retis Loris, the founder of uh, Omnisend. And then this episode is, is really meaningful for me. And um, it, it kind of represents a little bit of a shift in uh, what I'm trying to accomplish with the podcast. Because as time has gone on, as I've learned more about business, about myself, about what I'm trying to accomplish with this show and with the people that I reach and, and with the people that I connect with, I've, I've begun to realize that there's a really big difference between having a social media business and having a real business. And looking back and reflecting on a lot of the guests that I've had on this show in the past, I've been focused very heavily on people with like social media businesses. And that, that's been for a variety of reasons. One, I mean, that's the network that I'm plugged into um, on Instagram, the, the people that you see talking about how successful they are, are the people with, with social media businesses, okay? Like they're the people who who are are trying to, to broadcast themselves so that they can get more people into their funnel, into their business. And that's well and good, but, but there's a huge, huge distinction between having like a social media business and what I would call like a quote unquote real business, like, like a Silicon Valley startup. And so with this episode, um, it's, it's kind of going to represent a little bit of a pivot because I want to start shifting more into the world of, of like startups and, and people who are, are growing and running real business. I mean, I mean, businesses like, like Airbnb, like Uber, like, like these startups that are, that are really shaking things up. Not so much the guy who's out there, um, selling tens of millions of dollars of, of his online program. I would much rather sit down with a girl who um, started a, a company that's 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 really making an impact on the world as a whole. So I, I'm I'm thinking that 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 going forward, I'm going to prioritize a lot more getting those type of people on the show, even though um, they they don't have as big of a, of a social audience because they're actually focused on building their business, and the episodes might not reach quite as many people if I don't have these these guys with huge social media followings uh, pushing them out to, the, to their followers. But I think it's going to provide a lot more value to people uh, to, to actually hear from, from, from the people that are running real businesses uh, th that are really making an impact. Because sure, I mean, uh, teaching people how to start um, a social media marketing agency is, is, is great. But I think something that that's a lot more a lot more powerful and a lot more helpful and and maybe educational to to this this audience you the listener would be hearing from people who have have businesses that they have been able to create from the ground up to really really shake things up i mean that's that's what i am really infatuated with right now and um i hope you guys are as well so we're sitting down with uh with Redis today to talk about his his company omnison but but specifically one of the things we're going to be talking about and, and one of the reasons why i think this is such a good episode to kind of start this pivot with is because uh, Redis went from a service-based uh, agency and, and transitioned that into a SaaS company. Okay, so SaaS software as a service. Um, we're going to be talking a lot more about SaaS companies going forward just because that's what a lot of startups are doing. So Redis had this digital marketing agency, okay? Well, a digital agency. He was doing um, a little bit of marketing, um, a lot of, of sort of like app design, web design. He had a bunch of um, IT guys on board and he transitioned that 
completely from a, a service-based, client-based business where he was helping clients um, and he had this whole team of people that were fulfilling and helping clients and he transitioned that entire business into a software company um, and ended up selling his his entire client base. So this was, was a really, really... Um, cool conversation for me because it really sort of represents that shift that I'm that I'm trying to trying to make with the podcast in, in taking it from like showing you all these people who are like running successful social media marketing agencies or like doing Shopify and stuff to to the people who are running real businesses and now he's got Omnisend going on which he's going to talk about it's, it it's a super super cool company I mean if you're doing anything in e-commerce um, I think it could really provide a ton of value to you basically it's like it's like an all-in-one um, automation platform where you can um, send out text messages emails push notifications Facebook messages do all this different stuff it's all synchronized you have all your customer data in one place it is crazy crazy cool so I'm really excited for him to dive in to that as well, but I think it's going to be really uh, cool for you guys to hear from someone who um, has has started multiple startups and has been in the game for for quite a while. So, um, without further ado, um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. That's sort of marking this this shift in the podcast. Um, I know I had a lot of I had a lot of fun sitting down with Redis. So, um, without further ado, um, enjoy the podcast. All right, Redis, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? Hey, Paul. Yeah, I'm great. Thanks for hosting me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. So for our listeners that aren't super familiar with uh, who you are and what you're doing, they got to hear a bit about you in the intro to this episode. But for those of them that don't know who you are, could you give us a quick 60 second snapshot of sort of what you're working on right now? Um, and then we're going to sort of flash back in time and work our way up. Yeah, so I'm a co-founder and CEO of Omnisend. Omnisend is a marketing automation platform built for uh, e-commerce sophisticated marketers. We help automate marketing activities and to communicate with existing customer base uh, more easier and more effective. So to mainly increase sales. And I am the guy behind a lot of our different operations as, you know, running a company. And, you know, you cover a lot of, a lot of different fields. A hundred percent. I'm super stoked to dive into that. Um, but before we do, I kind of like to start off the episodes by flashing back in time to um, sort of your early upbringing. So talking about like those those high school high schoolish years. I know um, y'all don't particularly call it that um, over over where you're at right now. But um, talking about like 16, 17 years old. Um, what was Rita's up to that 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 time period? Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, I would say yeah, I was. Uh, even getting more back in time machine, sure. I was a kid. I was, I was really, I was really modest kid and, and quite reserved. Uh, I, I was always good, um, good with like learning things and, and, and that, but but not not very social, hmm. I would say, which is an opposite to what I am now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, I guess everything has changed uh, when I was around like 13 or 14. I got involved in some um, non-governmental organizations and activities like uh, school students union and uh, uh, like uh, school level the national level etc etc so so that's that what really made a huge impact on my personality and and what to learn me to to network with people to make new connections to organize things to manage things to focus to pick priorities etc etc so that that really made a huge impact on all this non-governmental uh, activities and being active in those organizations Hmm. What was what was the draw to you to those things? Was it was it the causes? Was it um, surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals, or, or what, why did you why were you drawn to that? 
Uh, I would say that being honest, uh, it, it was accidental. <laughs> like, <laughs> so there was kind of election happening in, in, in high school, like uh, for school students union and some, some of my classmates said, oh, maybe we'd like to participate and said, mm, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> and I was elected there. There was kind of uh, you know democratic election. People were voting anonymously, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, counting all the votes. So there was already a process which really, you know, um, put me into a little bit different environment, a little bit different activities. So that was really helpful for my personality and for a personal growth, I would say. Huh. So, so there you sort of got exposed to, to different sort of like leadership and, and sort of like coordinating efforts and stuff. Um, how, how did that sort of move with you forward um, into, into the projects that you started to work on from there? Yeah, so uh, directly, I would say, when I was in, in, uh, in the university studying, uh, I was, I would say, 21 at that time. So one of, uh, one of the fellows, one of the friend of mine, which I have met in one like school children organization he was from different school and studying a different subject but he kind of outreached me and said uh, what do you think about uh, launching our company and starting our business and um, so at that time already had uh, had the mindset that we know that you know opportunities they do appear but if you uh, decline those opportunities they stop uh, you know offering hmm. themselves to to you so hmm. So you have to take all the opportunities, I mean, which come. So, so at that time, based on this mindset, I said, okay, well, I, I, I don't know anything about business, to be honest, <laughs> but why not? That sounds great. Let's start a company. Let's start, uh, let's start a business. So that was my first business at the age of like 21. So what, what exactly was that business and um, what were you doing there? <laughs> uh, nowadays, it's even like already strange things but um, before the smartphone there was uh, like dummy phones and intermediate was a feature phones feature phones with some like polyphonic melodies and uh, you know having a screensaver which is colorful mm -hmm. before you no know, colors when phones so you can you can customize those uh, uh, screensavers and melodies like green melodies so you know creating all these customized screensavers and, and uh, desktops um, desktops for phone screens and, and uh, phone ring, ringtone melodies. That was the subject. We were creating those things and selling and people were buying those. Huh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something which is old school now and you can't even imagine. Yeah, <laughs> I guess, I mean, now we just have I'm so many options. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it was some years ago. That's fascinating. So, so did that do well? And like, what did you, what did you end up learning from that? Mm, no, I would uh, I would say that was intermediate. It was something like uh, self-employment. So we, as as at that age, that age, it, it was some extra money to for for our own needs. But I wouldn't call it like successful business. But uh, I have learned a lot of things there. You know about uh, what VAT, what what sales tax is, or like you know how does hiring people look like, how does managing people look like, etc. So. Um, I had already some experience with like uh, people management from my school years and, and environmental activities, but but all this like ta taxes, legal stuff, uh, accountancy, bookkeeping, all, all those things. So I have learned a lot, and um, and although it was not like super successful, finally we like uh, have sold this that company with 
little bit of profit. It was not something extraordinary, oh. but but yeah, uh, but but I, I would still consider it like uh, a rather successful thing. Uh, uh, it was a little bit profitable and a lot of great lessons I have learned. Sure. So so after you ended up selling that, were you still in school or was that after you graduated? I was still, oh, that's a good question. That's something around me graduating like university. So around 22 or 23. Yeah, something like that. Okay. And then after you got out of school, you um you went into to the nine to five life, correct? Yeah, that's chai. Uh, a little bit. I mean, just a little bit. So um, for for a while, I was I was working. Yeah, nine nine to five. Uh, but but that was a short uh, period of time. After after that, uh, I went after like another another venture, and like technically, I used to work for in my life for like one year or so, nine to five. Uh, I'm 36 now, so starting 15 years ago, it sounds. Uh, <laughs> so many years ago, but uh, yeah. So in 15 years, I would say like 14 years of those, uh, I used to run my own ventures. Wow. So yeah. when you were working that nine to five, um, did you always have it on your mind that you wanted to leave like from the very beginning or was, was that something that you figured out later on? Uh, no, that was actually the company. The company was owned by, um, by, my, by the dad of one good friend of mine. So, and, the dad was not very interested in that business anymore, so he kind of left uh, it for his son and his friend to, uh, to run the company. And uh, so, it, although I didn't have stake there, but but I had a lot of freedom and I had a lot of impact on what uh, what we were doing, etc. So it was not like typical nine to five job because because of that impact of of for business and because of. Uh, because of uh, like you know importance of decisions you were able uh, available to to make so that was not typical therefore I I felt really good there and they didn't want to 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 leave uh, but uh, but uh, you know the I, I'm Lithuanian and the story which which I'm telling it had happened in Lithuania Lithuania is a small country in in, in northern Europe so um, so the the vision was always to build something like global and global business so the, the, the initial venture and, and, and the second company I was working to it was something like local uh, so we have started our first startup at that time with exactly the same the same fellow the same friend uh, whose father's business we were uh, kind of running uh, and yes and that venture was uh, was uh, it, it was called Trinex and we were selling like um, gift cards printed in, uh, with an echo ink on echo paper and planting a real real tree for every postcard sold wow yeah <laughs> what what was the uh, what was the draw to like the environmental side of that is that something that you've always been interested in or, or were you yeah uh, yeah being honest that was two pieces one is uh, i mean yeah i really start concerning about as you grow up when i was a teenager i didn't like take care of that much but at that time i would say only like the trend appeared like environment and we should take care of um of our planet and uh, inconvenient truth the book and the movie by al gore was very popular at that time that inspired me a lot that okay we our, our planet is so beautiful and we are making so bad things um with that so it's kind of one piece another piece was like more rational as we saw uh, opportunities there 
that you know the the trend is upcoming and more and more people are concerned about the future of the planet so why not like do something both socially responsible and then like seeing business opportunity and earning money out of that. so what's the combination of both Sure. So yeah. So taking advantage of those opportunities, but also having that having that cognizant um, sort of recognition that that there was a problem and that you did want to be on the, the correct side of it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> sure. So I, I'm curious as well where that goal came from because you mentioned you had this goal of starting a global business. Um, what was sort of the the driver behind that or the motivation? Like, why did you want to to create a global business? Like, what was the point? Um, I don't have a rational answer here. Just you know, something. Sometimes things just come from from the bottom of your heart, and uh, you feel. I, I love traveling. Uh, it's it's one piece, and uh, and maybe maybe being from from like you know a smaller country where you don't have where you don't have um, huge home market. So if you want to create really something substantial, something something big, so you need to think global and to create global have a product or services. So. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to rationalize now. I have never thought about that. Why did it? But it kind of seems like, you know, it just came somewhere from the bottom of the heart. Huh. That's, that's very interesting because, yeah, I definitely, I, I, have, a, I have a similar, I guess, I guess um, drive in, in that um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to impact a lot of people with, with both my message and with my business. And um, I, I definitely, I, I can relate with that, but I was just wondering if there was, there was any sort of like, in the internal drivers that that were that were there too yeah i'm I'm not sure i mean there wasn't kind of no event or something like what happened sure. in your life that you made that decision just just yeah I, I guess it's more like you know um seeing that that you know um local market is very very small so you know creating a big impact that's the only way to to start thinking global and to to, to serve a global global market. Absolutely. So, so the next project that you um, decided to pursue was more on the the service based side of things, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So after after that, so uh, which was uh, uh, kind of the very beginning of what Omnisend is now. So I have launched a digital marketing agency. So initially, it was more IT development agency selling developers hours for for custom project development like websites. Uh, online stores, uh, Facebook applications, etc. So starting from just IT, PLT development, then adding a marketing layer, digital marketing layer on top, and like becoming a full service agency for, for the customer needs. And and then, you know, developing, promoting things, um, and etc. But that was small, that was purely service business. So service business has a lot of challenges that you need to uh, to to fight for each project uh, again and again, and uh, we had some returners, but it's it was mainly like project based. So you're you're not sure if you're gonna have enough customers like in two months, in three months, etc. Wow, so, a lot of a headache. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to dive more into that because I know a lot of young listeners are are sort of infatuated by this like digital agency model, this service based model. So I want you to sort of dive a little bit deeper into. I mean, you mentioned sort of what the business looked like, but yeah, talk about some of those challenges that you faced and that that service-based businesses um, tend to run into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so despite the fact it's it's it is challenging business, but it's very very good uh, good school, I would say, good lessons you you have you can learn there because like you are serving so many different customers and customers are different and their needs are different and. Uh, 
possibly I always want something uh, you to do <laughs> yesterday. I mean, tomorrow is not okay. They needed it yesterday. And always, yeah. Always. And especially like in IT at um, some, some time ago, people were not that well educated and they thought that, you know, to build a um, online store or, or like a proper website, it's going to take you like one day, you know, just a couple of lines of code and... Oh, then it, then you're up and running. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah, yeah. It's easy. <laughs> just, you know, but look, come on, I'm asking you to add the single button and you are like... Oh, yeah. That, yeah, it's it's two days of work. Come on, it's just a single button. <laughs> yeah, so um, so I would say it's it's uh, it's more kind of emotional part, but you need to um, just switch during the day so many times to cannot focus like to many projects, different projects, uh, different needs of the customers. Um, customer is always right. So you have to please uh, them. And then it's, it's not easy. It's kind of emotional part and uh, more, more like let's say rational part is really, um, again, project-based businesses. It's really challenging because you are not sure about the future. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one part and, uh, and uh, a cash flow management, uh, you know, some customers they don't pay on time, then you need to somehow manage your cash flow. And especially in this agency business, because the, the vast majority of your expenses are salaries because you hire people and, you know, you cannot be laid with salaries. Uh, and, uh, you know, so cash flow is, is very, very important here. You have no, no, no right to, to, do, to delay with your major, major line of expenses. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, so that I would say that was uh, another another challenge to find always find new, new projects and then manage uh, cash flow and uh, and uh, all all that things. But on the other hand, as I said, I mean it's it's a really really good good school, a good university of business. So I would I would suggest anyone before starting this. Uh, Yes, uh, like product. If you want to build like product, as we do have a SaaS product now, so to learn things and to see a more like customers' point of view, like larger customers and like from agency, agency side trains you to to really be more customer centric. Uh, I mean, because that's the only way to do uh, and to be. Once you are building uh, your the product, once you are building a product, you sometimes you can lose the relationship, close the relationship. Mm. I mean, it's very, very important not to lose, but it's easier comparing to, to like the agency. agency you know. that's, that's a really good point that you brought up. I'm, I'm curious, bouncing back, where, did you have all of these IT people in-house or, or was that sort of like a, a virtual relationship that you had with your team? No, we have hired, yeah. So that was challenging as well because uh, uh, re- retention was a challenge. So comparing like agency, as especially developers, they're not, uh, usually they're not that happy to work with many different projects uh, uh, comparing to like being able to work to one product. So the customer, like uh, team team retention and, and uh, employees retention was a challenge at the time, which is not the case now when we're building the product and, you know, the team believes in product and, they can focus on very specific pieces and they can see more impact comparing to, let's say, you know, you're creating some, um, some campaign website, like marketing campaign website, which is being thrown away after two months of campaign. So <laughs> you don't feel like long-term impact on what you are doing. So, um, yeah, I mean, fulfillment is huge for, for any, any project that anyone's working on. Like they're going to want to be able to see like that big picture 
and and really understand like what their contribution is helping to build. And yeah, like you said, if it's just like a throwaway website, then then they're probably not going to feel as satisfied in that position as if they're working on on say like a SaaS product or something that it, that really does have that longevity and and is going to be around for a while. Yeah, that's correct. But despite that, we we believe that to to bring a really good quality and to offer a good quality, it's necessary to have the in-house team. So, so we outsourced a little bit, but but mainly we have uh, we had uh, all the personnel in in in-house, uh, which was very good once we turned our business to a SaaS company, as we had a team in place already. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's got to be uh, an interesting pivot for sure. Because, and that's something that I really want to to dive into. Because I know a lot of young listeners are are sort of infatuated by this whole digital marketing agency model. Um, not quite at the scale that yours was at, but at this sort of like one-off, like solopreneur with maybe a couple of virtual assistants that are that are running social media ad campaigns for for local businesses or something like that's a whole a whole like pop culture business model right there that's being heavily promoted by a lot of people. So I, I want you to sort of talk about how you transitioned um, your agency into a, a SaaS business because I think that is a very interesting transition, and obviously. Um, your your agency was at a different, very different place than a lot of young people's are that are listening. But I, I think there's still going to be a lot of parallels that people can draw um, if you sort of walked us through why you decided to make that transition and then how you actually executed on that. Mm-hmm. So I would say the first and the most important thing is really uh, finding uh, customer pain. So uh, your product, uh, which you're going to build, what, what kind of pain it's going gonna, it's gonna to solve. Uh, so I see a lot of, especially when young people, uh, a lot of people like pitching myself or in some like uh, startup competition and pitch contests that they have an idea of apps. I mean, I have, I'm going to build an app, you know, blow <laughs> everybody's mind and like billions of people going to use it. Um, so in my point of view, I mean, we have Facebook because it's Facebook. We have Instagram, which is now acquired by Facebook. We have Snapchat. We have some some of those success stories, which are outliers. And uh, you cannot predict that success and you cannot create the company. You should not try to create another Facebook. And at the same time, there are thousands of really successful, like worth millions, tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions, um, SaaS companies, like IT products, which are very successful. Um, I mean, gives you a lot of fortune as a founder, but they're not becoming like outliers, one of a kind. So uh, my point of view, it's it's better for, especially for young people, to really focus on on building that kind of business. I mean, building next, next Omnisend, but not next Facebook. And if, if you work smart and hard, that's what's, that's what I always say to the team. Like you have to work smart and hard and on top you need some luck. Uh, but initial is like, you know, building routine things, doing doing job, everyday routine, which is sometimes not that interesting, not that fascinating. And if you have some luck on top, so then you're going to succeed. And you're gonna be huh. I want to hear more about, uh, more about how you think about luck because because I know luck's a very uh, an interesting word and a lot of people have a lot of different definitions as far as luck goes so talk just a bit about how how you think about luck and what you mean when you say luck uh, so I would define it really being in the right place at the right time and uh, so it's luck 
and another very important con- component is being ready to accept that love. Yeah. So that's working hard and smart piece is very, very important because if the luck comes, uh, but you are not ready to take it, so it's going to go. So. All right. So, so you found that problem that, that, your, that your customers were having in this case, yeah. um, a marketing solution. You figured you needed to provide this solution. Where did yeah, you go so, from so, there? Yeah. So in our case, uh, so again, for, for young people listening, uh, so if you are serving your customers currently and you see some specific problem that they have and no one is solving in the market. So in our case, that exactly was. Um, so as we were working uh, with e-commerce businesses, as we saw that email marketing is generic email marketing made for everyone, but e-commerce businesses, we have specific capabilities, we have specific data, and they have specific needs, which are not which are not properly served. And then talking about small and medium-sized businesses, as enterprise level, that was solved at the time. But, uh, but like for small and medium businesses, they had like MailChimp, which was very generic. They had other generic email service providers, but, uh, but very, very few like upstarts, as, as we have launched at that time. So we saw this problem from our own experience. We built the tool, uh, believing that, you know, there is a monetizable customer pain. Like customer pain is very important, but monetizable aspect is very, very important, um, or even more important, I would say. How do you figure out whether a customer pain is, in fact, monetizable? Uh, ask them to pay. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, you, you say you say for the customer, uh, I have a solution for a pain. Uh, it's going to cost you 10 bucks or maybe 1,000 bucks. If they pay, there's, it's a monetizable pain. If they don't, that means that they can live with that pain and they're not willing to, to pay anything for, for relieving. Mm. Do you ask them to pay before you make it? Um, no, in our case, we did not. Uh, oh, let's say partial, but, but more no. Yeah, we had like customers, which uh, our agency customers, which we knew that we're going to apply directly and, you know, include in our retainer cost. But, but yeah, but that was kind of not a um, direct invitation to pay in advance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you knew you'd be able to get some use out of that um, with your existing customer base. So it wasn't, you didn't necessarily have to have to gamble as much because you knew that there would be some application. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's correct. So we saw that uh, that there is a market need. We were not sure about the size of a like total addressable market. Um, so that that made easier. That was not. I mean, we made a transition here. We, that was not that I have a brand new idea, and you know, I'm not sure about that. I just talk to people, analyze. We felt by ourselves and doing our daily job that you know there is a need. We're not sure about the market size, but uh, we were sure that. At some point, at some level, need does exist. Sure. So, so then you start developing. Uh, I'm assuming you start actually creating this 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 software. Yeah, that's correct. And having team, having developers, having designers uh, in house really helped here. As, as uh, yeah, for for some some of the team members currently, we have actually in like leading positions in, in management positions. So, with some of them, we do work for already ten years. So, wow. So when that's, when, that's, that's a huge value. I mean, finding yeah. great co-founders and, and, and the team, initial team, it's, it's a challenge for, for every startup and it's a great value if you have any background, which helps you to solve that. 
talk to us about that process of, of really finding good people. I mean, what, what did you do to find these people who are, who are still with you, whatever, like three, five, eight years later? So um, once I read some, some years ago, some uh, study, which is, which was scientific study about, about uh, how important is all the recruitment process and all those uh, great tests and then having like, for interviews uh, before you hire a person, so that was analyzed like to to um, to methodologies applied. One was like all, let's say, full scope uh, employment process, and another was just you know randomly employed uh, people. <laughs> like you know, you've got a first CV and you have employed that person, uh, and after a few years, there was no difference. Uh, like how did people perform? How how many of them stayed with the company, etc. So in, in, in our case, especially at early days, uh, now we have more like capacity to evaluate people a little bit. We've made it a little bit more complex, but still we don't, even nowadays, we don't go through like very comprehensive process. I'm a huge believer in like testing by doing, you know, hire fast, fire fast. Just, you know, having a three months trial, real trial period when you see if there is a match, if the person is good for the company, if the company is the right place to be for a person. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's both ways. I mean, sometimes, sometimes there might be a great person, but just not, there is no cultural fit in that specific team. It might be a great fit for another team, but not for this one. So just, you know, try, try it out. Hmm. So, so, I, I totally, that's, that's really interesting. So when you do hire someone, do you make it very clear to them? Like this is like a trial period. We'll reevaluate after whatever 30 days and then, and then go from there. Yeah. We, yeah, we are really honest, especially, you know, in IT industry. Um, it's, it's not that, you know, um, people can find a job quite easily. more or less. Yeah. So it's, it's not like super harmful thing for none of a side. So what, what, why to continue doing things if, if there is no, no match? So, um, yeah, so we openly say that, you know, versus, this is, uh, uh, let's, let's try. I mean, but both, both sides, we're open. We're open. Like this is a trial for both, both of us. So, and we want to, to work together for a long years. And if we see that there is no match, it's better to see it soon uh, rather than after you know, one year or two years. So yeah. it's better to say buy in three months or after 10 years. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So is, is OmniSend fully SaaS based now or do you guys still do client work? Yeah, it's fully SaaS based. Okay. So how, how did that transition look from having clients, you start incorporating SaaS and now it's just SaaS. So, so how did that, how did that work? So at some point, at some point we uh, made a decision that uh, the SaaS, the SaaS, product was uptaking okay. slowly. Initially, it was not very, very fast. It didn't boom, but like little by little, we started earning more and more money from that at, at, some, at some point that uh, we made a decision that we need to focus. Uh, so it's another thing that I'm, I'm strong believer in the focus. So, uh, what, I mean, if you want to, to, to achieve something, you need to, to laser focus on something and the probability to, to be successful, it's going to be much, much higher. Uh, yeah, so we made a decision to focus, and at that time we had still clients serving, like doing custom development for them. So we found another agency which is doing exactly the same. We knew them for already a while; they, they used to be our rival, but but 
So at the same time, we had like really human on a human level good relationship with them. So we just offered them to to buy our portfolio of customers and our contracts. So that was kind of uh, semi exit, not selling the full company, but selling the portfolio of your existing customers and getting some you know cash uh, to develop your product. Huh. I, I yeah, that's that's an interesting interesting way to to go about that. So how. I'm assuming the the SaaS side of things was not nearly as big as the the sort of like client work at that point, or, or were they about equal? And not not that was not as big. Yeah, that that was a risk. That was a bet. Yeah, we just we just start seeing like first signs, and we uh, believed that it can succeed, and that that was uh, a bet. But uh, but again, it was good. I mean, it was good because you. Throw yourself out of your comfort zone. Uh, instead of like having a cash, some kind of buffer, you start feeling that you are burning your cash, and uh, you know you have less and less uh, cash in the bank account every month. And then you focus on how to earn money, how to change the situation. So, what were some of those first signs that you were seeing, and and how would you, uh, or how do you rather think about? How how to know when when jumping is is a smart move or when it's when it's reckless? So in our case, it was like that we had some already paying customers, customers who mm-hmm. have installed Omnisend, found somewhere, start using onboardings, using for us. At that time, the product was not that was you know far away from being great. Sure. Even, far away from even being good. <laughs> So yeah, so we had a, a huge churn rate at that time. That you know, customers were not satisfied or what they got, but uh, but but uh, on the other hand, we had to prove that okay, the need really does exist in the market. Customers believe in what we promise. Uh, they have this need. They started paying for solving their problems, and because we were not like solving one hundred percent good, they were they were ditching us and going. Uh, after a solution which is solving exactly the same problem. So we kind of had a proof uh, already that uh, the monetizable customer pain does exist. It, it's only the question, who gonna solve this problem for those customers? It's if it's gonna be us or it's gonna be our competitors. Um, yeah, so that was the point for us that, you know, we understood that it's the matter of building product which is good enough to keep, keep customers and customers gonna pay. Absolutely. So how are you, how are you soliciting feedback or how are you learning from your customers what they wanted to, to see? It's, it's a very important piece. I mean, you know, being, uh, being customer centric, it's, it's not that easy. I mean, in theory, it's much easier to, to get all the feedback, especially when you have like thousands of, of customers and thousands of paying customers, tens of thousands of customers and thousands of paying customers. So um, to, to uh, like aggregate all the feedback. So we do apply Multiple techniques like you know NPS, uh, NPS satisfaction score. We have uh, inventance, like something like we call it uh, FES, first experience score. We ask how how did you find the first experience, and we improve the onboarding process based on that. Uh, we do have support tickets and support agents. Uh, they do leave some comments and they do uh, pass uh, pass feedback to our product team. Uh, we do have public reviews, which our customers leave on, let's say, Shopify, App Store, G2, Captera, other platforms. Um, we do have uh, some feedback coming from the sales team that you know, our 
prospects are question, having some questions around something and we do accumulate that. So currently we have one person dedicated just to analyze all those. Wow. I was going to ask you how you aggregate that and how you actually like make decisions based off it, but you have a full-time person that's just doing that. Yeah, there is a full-time person. And we have some kind of quite basic methodology based on the size of a customer, uh, based on some potential of a customer. And, uh, and yeah, so that's how we prioritize our, our technical roadmap. Huh. That's, that's fascinating. That is, that is really, really fascinating. I'm, I'm, I'm just, yeah, the gears are, the gears are turning for sure. So um, I'm curious as well. Can you, can you tell um, the listeners, I mean, we've been talking about it a little bit as far as like a marketing solution goes, but like, just, just fill the listeners in on like what OmniSend actually does and like how it physically works. Yeah. So I would just give an example. If you do sell online, we are built for e-commerce stores. If you do sell online, you just install OmniSend. We do synchronize all the data you have about your customers, about your uh, purchasing history. We do start tracking your customers' online behavior, like their visits to your website, what pages do they visit, etc. And with us, you can you can uh, start collecting email addresses. Uh, Facebook Messenger subscribers, push, not, push notification subscribers, uh, text messages subscribers as we cover the, all those different channels. So we start collecting subscribers. Then you can start sending campaigns for you know, existing mailing lists like subscribers list, uh, like email campaigns, SMS campaigns, push notification campaigns, etc. And uh, you automate things. Uh, let's say Apple has visited our website, but didn't complete any purchase, but we see that he has browsed smartphones. So we automate, automatically started the campaign uh, by different channels, um, you know, reminding you that maybe, maybe you are in a, in a position to buy some new phone. So here are some advices, here are products, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so it's just one of examples and uh, then, we help online online merchants to, to drive uh, you to, 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 to the transaction and serve after transaction. Let's, you know, sending, sending email asking, so how did you like our product? What is your experience? Are you happy with that? And uh, if, if uh, they haven't seen you for a while already and they're like online store, uh, traditional sales cycle, it's let's say six months and they haven't seen you Really for seven months, we start automated campaign to show you banners on, on Facebook uh, to remind about the store that it does exist. Maybe s- send you some Facebook Messenger message or so. So those are kind of examples how we help to communicate with existing customers. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is like next level marketing right here. I mean, I feel like the name is, is extremely, extremely relevant because it's like, it's just omnipresent literally everywhere. Like, like getting hit notifications, getting hit text message, email, Facebook, like all the, all the places. So like, it, it just, it just blows my mind that they're, cause like I, I do a lot of, I do a lot of like marketing to my list and stuff. And, and, and it's, it's, it's cool to, to see that, that there is like a, a one-stop shop because right now I've got like a bunch of stuff and I'm just like piecing together, but um, <laughs> it's, it's oh, that's, just, that's, that's how I did exactly yeah, to, to, to bring it uh, as, uh, you know, there are different point solutions for like email marketing, for, for SMS marketing, for push notifications, but you don't have a single customer view. And uh, having it on one flow and uh, behind one profile and really understand how, how to communicate with a customer, which is um, more effective and less intrusive. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you prioritize channels and then you don't 
start like holistic campaign and start you know uh, you know being too intrusive and too many messages in too too short period of time so that helps both to make this marketing more relevant relevant and 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 uh, and it helps to achieve better results for online stores yeah and just being able to have all that data in one place on like what what your people are up to and like what each person has done and just having all that aggregated that's just like I, i'm just i'm just blown away by how much of a value add that is like, like i saw what you guys are doing i'm like dang this is like some really valuable stuff so i mean if any of y'all um, are in e-commerce and i know a lot of you guys are um i, I definitely i mean you guys got to check out omnison like they're doing some some really really cool stuff and uh and Redis is just he, he's crushing the game so so thank you so much for um for hopping on the podcast um i have some questions now that i like to ask all of my guests before we wrap up so are you feeling ready for those Yes, sure. Jump Let's in. do it. The first of which is, uh, what is something that genuinely has you excited right now? Um, growth. Growth in, growth in all areas? In all areas, yeah. Business is growing, team is growing. It's a really challenging thing, but that's really fascinating. And uh, the most fascinating part is really that I feel the personal growth as mm -hmm. a specialist, as a manager, CEO. And, uh, I believe that a lot of our team members, they are growing uh, as people as specialists as well so that's that's really fascinating mm, that's 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 good stuff to see that's that's yeah that's exciting for sure uh, i'm also curious whether you have any habits that have served you particularly well either in your business or your lifestyle um that's not an easy question i would say like ability to focus okay. that's that's very important and to, to choose priorities and to stick for those priorities for a while but not be too too stubborn of that but but yeah how do you train that? How do you train your focus? Um, by, you know, um, how to say, uh, helping others in the team to focus. And once you see that they've lost the focus, reminding about that and pointing it out and uh, asking them to do the same. I mm. mean, my teammates sometimes, you know, it's, it's one of the one of practice we can apply. And then for yourself as well, uh, once, you know, you have a list of like to-do list for the day, a very basic example. And, uh, non, it's never that all of the tasks are equal important. So picking the right tasks, like uh, very, very basic uh, exercises, just, you know, naming them A, B, C. So A tasks, you start doing it immediately. B tasks, you might be doing some time. And C tasks, usually you never do those. <laughs> 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 but, but for a while you keep it in your to-do list or calendar because it's you know yeah absolutely so I'm, I'm curious as well uh what or who rather is is an entrepreneur that you look up to uh, there's no like one specific person okay. uh, i i like reading like biography books mm -hmm. uh, like other people who have like achieved a lot in their lifetime and some of them uh, old already some some of them are not so like elon musk uh, uh, jeff bezos uh, steve jobs uh, richard branson uh, some politicians like jfk were recently read a biography hmm. of jfk uh, it's not it's not uh, about businesses but it's also about leadership about, yeah you know, management by the broad mean Hmm. Last thing I want to ask you is, uh, what's a technology that you feel is overrated? <laughs> uh, technology which is overrated. Um, I don't know. 
Okay. There is no one exactly at this at this at this point which I would say that um, no n nothing comes to my mind like currently. But... Okay, that's that's a fair answer. That's a fair answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ritas. Well, man, thank you so much for hopping on the show. Where can our listeners go if they want to find out more about you and uh, more about Omnisend? So it's omnisend.com and uh, I I love LinkedIn so. It is Loris on LinkedIn, so I'm posting things. That's that's, that's my most preferred social network. Cool. I use LinkedIn, I use Twitter a little bit, much less Facebook. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll Instagram, put et yeah, so <laughs> I'll put links to those in the show notes, so our listeners can uh, find you, connect with you, all that good stuff. Um, I'm extremely grateful for you coming on the show. Do you have any last uh, parting thoughts, words of wisdom, or anything you want to uh, leave the listener with? So, um, as as far as I understand, like vast majority of the listeners are young people. So uh, my advice would be, you know, start doing things. Uh, just do it. That's a great slogan. Uh, <laughs> Nike is a great company, but the slogan is even better. <laughs> and yeah, and then there's another like, um, uh, yeah. So just you know, you know, those who start doing things, those uh, those succeed with. There we go. Just do it. Thank you so much, Redis. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. Thanks for inviting me. Bada bing, bada boom. That is a wrap, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this last episode of Young Smart Money. If you did, you know what to do. Um, drop us a five-star review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me. I literally run on reviews like they are the fuel that goes into my body and gets me jazzed up, fired up every single morning. So if you take the time, literally it's like five seconds to drop a review. If you're in the podcast app, literally just go to Young Smart Money, scroll all the way down past all the episodes at the very bottom. There'll be a section that says write a review. If you could drop me all of your thoughts, all of your questions, all your comments, all your concerns. I would love to read those. I read each and every one of them. Um, and I really do take them all to heart. So that would mean a ton if you could do that. Otherwise, um, if you guys are wondering how I make money on the show, because if you all notice, I don't put sponsors on the podcast. I don't believe in that. I don't want to waste your time listening to some ad about Squarespace or whatever they're promoting these days on the podcast. And I've been approached by plenty of sponsors, believe me, but they all get shown where the door is because that's not what I believe in. But I am still able to monetize this podcast podcast, turn it into a consistent five figures per month of income. If you guys are wondering how I do that, um, I put together a free cheat sheet for y'all. It's a little bit more than a cheat sheet. It's kind of like an ebook. It's like 20 some pages long where I laid out the 16 methods that I use to monetize my podcast. So if you guys are interested in that, I'm um, again, completely free. Just head over to applecriter.com slash cheat sheet. That's applecriter.com slash cheat sheet. And you can download that completely for free. Cheat sheet is all one word. Uh, don't ask me to spell it though because I will probably mess up. So guys, applecreditor.com slash cheat sheet for the free cheat sheet, how I'm able to monetize my podcast consistently five figures per month off of that. Um, I really am passionate about podcasting and I want to teach y'all how to do it because I see these guys making videos on YouTube, teaching you like the, the bare minimum, the basics, the stuff that nobody like needs to actually learn. Um, but it's, it's that advanced stuff. It's how to actually make money doing this without having to put sponsors on your show that I think is really, truly valuable. So that's why I wanted to share that with y'all. So guys, again, absolutely free to download. Link will also be in the show notes for this episode. Otherwise, I hope you guys have an absolutely wonderful rest of your day wherever it leads you. And I'm glad you decided to spend the last hour here with us on Young Smart Money.